The following podcast contains spoilers. We strongly recommend you watch the episode of The Americans we're discussing before listening to the podcast. New episodes air Tuesdays at 10pm on FX. Join us every week after the show. Tuan is what Elizabeth was when she first came to the United States. Completely committed, ideologically pure, mm-hmm. driven, ambitious, passionate. Life has softened her. Mm-hmm. Life has opened her up. Her relationship with Philip has opened up in a way that she never imagined. I don't think she recognizes how similar she was to him because she's changed so much. And I don't think she could admit that. Because if you ask her if she's as committed as Tuan, I think she would say that she was. But I think we know that she isn't. Hello and welcome to the Americans podcast for season five. I'm June Thomas, managing producer of Slate Podcasts, and I'm your host for the series, which goes behind the scenes of the show. Today we'll be talking about episode 503, The Midges, first with writer Tracy Scott Wilson and later with the show's costume designer, Katie Irish. Today I'm in glorious Gowanus, Brooklyn with Tracy Scott Wilson, the writer of this episode. Hey, Tracy, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you for having me. Tracy, this is your fourth season working on this show, I believe. Uh, Yes. Does it feel different this year because you now kind of have clarity about when it will end? Yeah, it definitely does feel different than when I first started. And I also don't have the level of panic that I (laughs) had when I first started. Is that because you're used to it or you you know you can do it? Or what? Well, now I know. I mean, you know, I always get nervous before I write an episode, but now I know it's going to subside as opposed to thinking this is going to, I'm going to feel this way forever. Right, right, yeah. right. So you wrote two episodes again this year, 503 and 508. How is it decided who will write what? Do you, each of the writers kind of have a character or a theme or a subject matter that they're particularly focused on or attuned to? Did Jay's decide who's going to write which episode. Early in the season, we have this thing called mini camp where we meet for eight weeks and we sort of hammer out the next season. We talk about it and we talk about the themes. And so we have a general idea how uh-huh. things are going. And then as as the outlines are being written, characters are developed and things like that, you know, there's a lot of talking back and forth. It's very, it's very collaborative. Uh-huh. The mini camp is about eight weeks and then we go away for the summer uh-huh. and then come back after Labor Day. And when you were away for the summer... Can you do your own stuff or are you really just thinking like, what's Paige and Elizabeth? Oh, no. No, definitely uh, do our own stuff. Before I come back, I always watch the previous season's episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. When you write your own stuff, you get yes. out of the rhythm. Yes, so yes. I have to get back to the, with the languages and stuff. Yeah. Do you have a favorite character to write dialogue for? I really love writing for Elizabeth, Paige. Mm-hmm. Especially the scenes, scenes of them together. Uh-huh. I enjoy a lot. And Philip and Elizabeth. Too. This episode has an amazing climax where Philip and Elizabeth breaking into the lab, getting this trove of information from Randy, and then killing him. What were the challenges of writing that scene? I mean, it had a lot going on, and there's a lot of information that needs to get out, and then a killing, and then a come down sort of afterwards. Actually, those scenes are a lot of fun to write because a lot of stuff we write, the 
Page Elizabeth stuff, especially the Philip Elizabeth stuff, because they're not very psychologically aware or mm. in tune with themselves. I mean, Philip, I guess a little bit more. Right. So a lot of it is really underwritten, and uh-huh. it's, it's really a challenge to convey an emotion in, a, in very constrictive language. Uh-huh. So actually, that scene, the Randy killing scene, is so much fun to write because they have a goal, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and you know they're asking these questions, and they're not getting. So it's just it's actually it's kind of like writing a little mini action movie. So yeah, I yeah, actually yeah. it's so much fun, and those are the the fastest sort of scenes to write. Huh. So in this episode, we got to know Tuan a little more, and it's both scary to see someone who seems to be a teenager be so absolutely convinced of his point of view, but it's also also kind of makes it seem like Philip and Elizabeth are lacking in ideological commitment in comparison with Tuan. How do you see Tuan? Uh, I sort of see Tuan as what Elizabeth was when she first came to the United States. Mm. So, you know, completely committed, ideologically pure, Mm -hmm. driven, ambitious, passionate about his political beliefs as she was. And then, you know, as we've seen through the seasons, life has softened her. Mm -hmm. Life has opened her up. Her relationship with Philip has opened up in a way that she never imagined. I just think of him, him as... Her younger id, mm. I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why they bond. I don't think she recognizes how much, how similar she was to him. Yeah. Because she's changed so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think she could admit that. Because if you ask her if she's as committed as Tuan, I think she would say that she was. But I think we know that she isn't. Working with Tuan also seems to make the Jenningses, Philip especially, realize that Paige really isn't cut out for this work. Is is it seeing Tuan that makes him more sure of that? Do you think? You know, I think it. I think it um, sort of ignites maybe his fear. He couldn't ever imagine her being that way. So I think saying that she's not cut out for this is a way for him to re- maybe reassure himself because she's changing. Yeah, and he's seeing her change. And she's changing part because she's a teenager, but also because she's learning and it's really hard to know what's what, right? Yeah. And she's growing closer to Elizabeth as well. Yeah. And that's also something that Elizabeth and Philip can't talk about. This episode, speaking of Philip, has a scene where he's kind of looking at himself in the mirror and he's remembering things from his past. It's almost like he was like staring into his own soul. What was that about for you as when you were writing that? What did you, what were you kind of trying to convey that Philip was going through with that? Well, I, th- I think it's because of his est, right? The stuff that's happening. Est is constantly talking about trying to understand who you are based on facing your life, facing the truth about yourself, your past, and so I think he's not consciously thinking about it, but it's just it's just coming up. You know, he goes to these meetings, so mm-hmm. they're sort of dreamlike. Mm-hmm. You know, they're sort of these images mm-hmm. that I think just sort of conveying. The feeling of his childhood, because yeah. it's like that's what we remember our childhood. That's what we're actually remembering, as opposed right. to details. We're remembering our feeling, right? And he's sort of connecting that to what he is now, right? There's also a moment in this episode which made me squeal because <laughs> we get a glimpse of someone shopping in one of these understocked Moscow <laughs> supermarkets, yeah, and we think, oh, it's just another Muscovite, and then. We realize it's Martha. Were you as thrilled as, as oh, like, me, yeah. the viewer? Yeah, very thrilled. 
Letting go of Martha was very difficult. Yeah. It was heartbreaking. Not only because a great character, but the actress herself yes. was a wonderful yes. person. Yeah. And uh, it was great to see her again. Yeah. She's alive. <laughs> yeah, she's alive. She's shopping. I'm now in the costume shop with the American's costume designer, Katie Irish. Thank you for joining us, Katie. Thanks so much for having me. So in this episode, we get a fleeting glimpse of Martha living her Moscow life, trying to make sense of the shops. And it kind of took me a moment to recognize her because she had something on her head. Mm -hmm. She looked like a Muscovite. And yet it was still Martha. I don't see her wearing that outfit in D.C. So tell me how that look came about. Well, it was actually a really interesting collaboration between my department and the creatives of the show, because she is wearing the same coat that she left the United States in. Mm. It's that great brown coat that we saw her for, a, it seemed like forever, but <laughs> for, you know, when she left her house and was trailing and then had to go to the safe house and then finally got on the plane yeah. in season four, it was that same coat. And we know she didn't come with any bags, but she would have had that. And so that was my one nod to making it maybe before she turned around, people know they're like, that, that coat, is that, <laughs> is that her? But we mitigated it with the headscarf, with the more sensible shoes, uh -huh. because she's been there a little while now. We've mm -hmm. had a little bit of a time jump. And so we wanted her to feel like she was trying to assimilate. She's trying to make the best of it. Yeah. And, you know, she's also having things provided for her by the Soviet government. Uh -huh. And so even though she's being treated very well, it's still being provided by the Soviet government. What about the head cover? It's something that all of the women seem to do a lot. And it's, you know, also it's cold in Moscow. Yeah, yeah. So there's a practicality to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But it was a little bit of, you know, disguise yes, and subterfuge. Yes, so yes, that yes. way, until she turned around, you couldn't be but, sure. And then we would all suddenly squeal. It's Martha! Exactly. She's alive! Exactly. She made it to Russia! Exactly. Which is what we all did when we read the script. Uh, exactly. <laughs> also in this episode, we have an extended section in Oklahoma, and the Jennings's disguise there is fitting for the setting. Philip is, is all cowboyed out. How did country Jennings's come to be? It's actually really funny because season five is touching on a lot of places I've lived. Ah. I lived in Oklahoma for five years. Wow. My husband is from Oklahoma and grew up in Oklahoma wow. in the 80s. Yeah. And so we ha I had firsthand research of <laughs> family members, additional people who really dressed this way, which was great. Yeah. It's also an opportunity to do something we don't usually get to do on the show. And because we were doing such wide ranging places, you know, usually we've been in the DC area, you know, we're in Vienna, Virginia yeah. or Silver Spring, Maryland, or we're in that area. Yeah. And so to do something that was middle of the country, it's a very different opportunity for looks for them. And disguises are always tricky, right? Because you don't want it to look like a disguise. And if they were dressed like that in DC, it would stick out like sore thumbs. Exactly. Exactly. And there's always that thing where they need to be disguised enough that it's plausible that people wouldn't recognize them, yeah. but our viewers still need to be able to tell it's them. Yes. The last thing you want is a caricature. Yeah. You need it to be real. Yeah. And so one of the things that I love best is when we're in fittings and people are like, oh, I, I look like my grandfather or I look like my aunt. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yes, okay, I've hit on something that's real, that something is recognizable to you yeah. as a person, because yeah. that means that we're getting there. This season, Philip and Elizabeth are playing a lot of scenes as the Eckerts, both of whom work for airlines. Philip especially spends a lot of time in his uniform. Mm -hmm. 
I understand you have some kind of connection with that particular uniform. <laughs> As I said, this season really has been a lot of personal reference points for me. My dad was a pilot for Federal Express throughout the 80s, 90s, and into the 2000s. And so uh. while the uniform is different, the Eckert's work for Pan Am, uh. it still is a world that I know very well from having seen my dad grow up and my mom, you know, wash and iron their shirts and where the epaulets go <laughs> right, and how many right. stripes are here. And there are some things that are just universal. My dad always wore his class ring from college. The Brad Eckert character didn't go to college, but he was in the Air Force. So I gave him an Air Force ring yeah. like my dad always wore his. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's, again, it's fun to be able to work in those personal details that make them more real and less of a caricature. Do you make a sigh of relief when you see uniform or somebody who could wear a uniform? Because I mean, the Eckerts wear that uniform a lot of time, even when they're at home sometimes. They do. I'm a geek and I love uniforms. <laughs> when I was the assistant designer on the second season, we had, I feel like, every branch of the U.S. military. <laughs> we didn't do, no, that's not right. We didn't do Coast Guard, but we did everybody else. <laughs> SEALs, Navy, Air Force, Army, Marines, you got it, like special forces for everybody. Wow. And I love figuring out what those things are. But what I love even more is finding the character within the uniform, because all you have to do is look at a high school where kids are all made to wear the same uniform, mm -hmm. but you can still tell individual personalities based right. on how they wear it, based on what they choose to accessorize it with. Yeah. And so you're right. When I saw the uniforms, I was like, this is great. But then for the Philip character, for Brad Eckert, you know, the ring is something that was perfect yeah. and kind of spot on for me as his thing. Yeah. Um, he also wears it with Roper boots which is, you know, just, it's not a cowboy boot, but it's just, it's a little different than necessarily an Oxford shoe. Now, do we see his boots or is that something that only you know? It may be, I don't know. You'll have to tell me. <laughs> I don't think there are any close-ups of his feet, Yeah. but it's just, yeah. it's one of those things that there's just, you know, a little something that you're like, okay, great. Yeah. You know, yeah. that yeah. makes sense. Fine. The details do make the difference. Exactly. We see Claudia in this episode, another mm -hmm. fan favorite, another yes. person I always cheer when I see her. And when she's Claudia, rather than in operational disguise, her thing is to look very sort of normcore. So she's looking like a respectable older lady, but she still can't help but be just a little bit special. So she often has that like that Madeleine Albright style pin. Yes. Tell me about Claudia's pins. It was something actually that the previous designer established with her. Squirrels have a very special meaning in Russian culture. Oh. And it's something that the two of them actually had worked out in the first season and I inherited, but I love it yeah. and definitely want to, you know, keep going. And we actually have recently been expanding Claudia's <laughs> pin collection of squirrels. <laughs> Etsy and eBay have been doing us some favors these wow. days. Oftentimes you'll notice if Claudia and Elizabeth are having a conversation, there'll be two little squirrels. If it's Claudia just kind of talking to them and giving them information, it's just the one squirrel kind of talking. So I, I do use the squirrel pins a little bit to talk about what's going on in the scene and wow. how they are. But it's also just it's a fun character moment. Yeah. It's, it's like yeah. the ring with the Brad Eckert. It's yeah. something that, sure, you know, you can put someone in a nice button down shirt and a cardigan and pants and they look respectable. But then you give them something a little quirky or something yeah. that has a little bit of personality yeah. and that starts to make them believable and likable. Now, Tuan, uh, who we've gotten to know this season, mm -hmm. he dresses, you know, like the ultimate 80s cool kid. He's at school, you know, he's in high school, mm -hmm. but like he's got the, the you know, the cool shirts and big contrast with Pasha. Yes. Oh, and also he's a pretty big contrast with Henry. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about teenage boy clothes. 
teenagers are one of the places that I can really set the show in the 80s, because even though everybody is living in this world in 1984, I'm wearing something that's quite old right now. So we don't we don't always go out and shop every season. But kids always shop back to school because they're always growing. So they always have things that are a little more up to date. And also when you're 13, 14 years old, you want nothing more than to blend in with all of your friends and have all the cool, whatever that cool thing is. And so in the eighties, there were a couple of different things that were going on. As far as kids, there was kind of a more preppy version, which is what Henry has veered into, but also keeping in mind that Philip and Elizabeth Jennings are his parents. So they're not going to be buying him the Garfield t-shirt. Elizabeth isn't going to have him be a walking billboard for something. Twan is on a mission and Twan's whole thing is to befriend Pasha and to have Pasha trust him and want his help at school. So he needs to be the kid who like Pasha was an immigrant and was new at the school, Mm -hmm. but he seems to be getting it. Mm -hmm. He's fitting in. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was important that his clothing helped do that. And so that's where we came in with, you know, the t-shirts, but it's also, like I said, it's fun. It's a moment where I'm like, oh, I can use a Garfield t-shirt. Great. (laughs) Let's let's put a Garfield t-shirt on him. So there's some fun with that. Yeah. But also it gives Pasha something to look at and say, okay, well, he's making it work, Mm -hmm. so he can help me. Yeah. What are the biggest challenges in dressing these characters? Uh, Stunt sequences, always. And why? We use as much vintage as possible on the show because clothing was made differently. The fabrics were different. It was cut different. And even though I have a fantastic tailor and we have a lot of resources to be able to build things the fabrics aren't necessarily out there. Men's suiting especially. Everything now is a much lighter weight, flatter look. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And at that point, things had texture. Things were nubby. Things were a little heavier yeah. feeling. Yeah. So even though my tailor can absolutely copy perfectly a pattern, the fabric isn't out there. Yeah. So whenever I have a stunt sequence and I know that I need four of something. Because something might get torn or they might get blood on it. Exactly. Stuff. If someone is being shot, say, I have no idea how much blood yeah. and I don't want to be the one telling the director, no, I'm sorry, you can't do that again because we only have this one. Uh-huh. So we need multiples for that. And also if we're going to use a stunt double, if for any reason we need a double in a car because mm-hmm. we're shooting something else at that point or yeah. anything like that. So sometimes I need as many as eight of the same item. Wow. And they just, I mean, they don't exist in vintage that way. (laughs) Sometimes they don't exist in modern world that way either. So it's about finding brands that existed at that point that haven't changed much or finding things that are modern in the real world that we can alter to be a little more 80s in, in feeling for us. Wow. So you're mostly shopping for clothes? We do mostly shop. We do some builds. It depends on how much lead time I have. Mm-hmm. This season, actually, I've had the most lead time as far as scripts go mm-hmm. and being able to talk out character arcs, which is really exciting because we were able to build a little more. So I was in a production meeting the other day, and when it was mentioned that a character would be eating herring and beets, I heard you yell, no beets! <laughs> yes. Now, what's that about? <laughs> that is about that beets, although gorgeous on the table and absolutely appropriate for all Russian food, yeah. are red <laughs> and stain things. And so see the aforementioned discussion mm. about multiples, yeah, yeah. where it's one of those that it just 
if there's any possible way to avoid a character eating them because stuff happens, you yeah, know, yeah. someone, someone bumps the table and it gets on the shirt yeah. and then we're ruined Yeah, and we'll have to start the take from the beginning again. We can't use anything we've previously shot because I'm going to have to change their shirt and I won't have a multiple for it. Wow. Have the characters dress styles evolved over the years? I mean, it's actually not that huge of a span of time since the show began, right? No, it's really not. We've covered, Four, four and a half years. Uh And so Philip and Elizabeth and Stan are very classic in what they like. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth has always favored the silk blouse with a great fitting pant or Uh a skirt. Uh Her blouses this season have shoulder pads in them. They're not huge, but they have some shoulder pads. So we're moving more towards the silhouettes. Uh But I mean... Personal style doesn't change. If you're an adult, you know what you yeah. like, what looks good on you. Yeah. And so you keep doing that. The places where we do get to change are with the new characters whom we haven't met before a mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. And you get a moment to establish who they are and how much of the culture they're participating in mm-hmm. and how current they are. Yeah. The younger kids are kind of the moment where we get to, to say, okay, here we are in, in 1984. Yeah. Let's do it. Introducing the looks of 1984. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Courtesy of Juan. And, uh, yeah. You also have characters who are Russian, wearing Russian clothes, whether they're in the US or the USSR. Mm-hmm. Do Russian clothes make a particular challenge? Yes and no. We have, just like in the rest of the show, various socioeconomic classes mm-hmm. that we see throughout Russia. Oleg's family is quite wealthy. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that his father dresses in Western style suits. His mother wears silk dresses mm-hmm. and very beautiful things and would have access to those things. Mm-hmm. Other people who are more middle class would not have access mm-hmm. to those things. Mm-hmm. They would still go shopping, but it would be what is available. Mm -hmm. So the men's suits are a little boxier, a little less Mm -hmm. well-fitting. The women's clothes, a little less well-fitting, not as fine fabrics. We've also kept with a pretty tight color palette for Russia, which, again, just whenever we're in the KGB residentura style versus the FBI and everyone's in suits, it helps immediately kind of place where we are if you know that FBI is very blue and gray and cool things. And Russia is always much more brown Mm. and mauve and olive and that kind of warmer neutral colors. So we we try and stick with that as well. This year, the key art is very bright red and blue. It made me wonder if you do have colors for Philip and Elizabeth. They have a palette, but I don't have any kind of overarching color Uh uh stories for them. Right, right, right. Also, they have to fit in so much and wear so many disguises. And that's the thing. When you're pulling an episode, you know, because I basically get a stack of costume tags from my wardrobe supervisor, Jenny, and it has, you know, Elizabeth change one. Here are all the scenes she wears it for. Philip change one. And so you're putting all the bags together and you're like, okay, well, I can't use that because now they're dressed alike. So I go and I change out a shirt (laughs) and I'm like, okay, so that works. But then she has to wear this later with this and that doesn't work or oh, I love this blouse that has a silk bow, but she's going to be developing photos later. And that silk bow, exactly, <laughs> would bend down and get into the developing tray. Right. So there are a lot of things you take into account. And so sometimes color story does suffer from that. Thanks to Tracy Scott Wilson and Katie Irish for talking episode 503 with me. Thanks also to Ethan Simon for recording assistance and to the American Sarah Nolan for her organizational help. 
Please join us next week when we'll be talking about episode 504, What's the Matter with Kansas, with writer Peter Ackerman and some other special guests. I'm June Thomas. This show is part of the Panoply Network.